Time travel to fun in the 16th century at the Maryland Renaissance Festival. Ten stages, food, pubs, shopping, jousting. Saturday, Sundays, and Labor Day Monday through October 24th. For tickets, visit MarylandRenaissanceFestival.com. Save big on admission through September 12th. Coming up, the face that runs the place has returned home to Friday Night SmackDown. We chat with AJ Styles about his homecoming and much, much more for the first time ever on ATB. And it starts right now. Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves, and I could not be more stoked about my guest today because as long as I have tried, we've been unable to match up time zones and time frames and get the man on the show. But please, kindly welcome the phenomenal AJ Styles. As I was driving home this morning uh, from dropping my kids off, it dawned on me exactly how long I have known you. Yeah, right. And it, more so just for the sake of it made me feel incredibly old. I, For my graduation gift, my parents sent me to Dory Funk's dojo for the, the week-long camp or whatever. And that happened to be the week that uh, TNA had their first tapings. And I actually came to Wildside. You and I worked, worked out in the ring for a little while and then went to the very first TNA tapings. And I was like, that's got to be, what, like 18 years ago almost. It's a long time ago, dude. Wildside was, uh, what was it, 2000, and, or not Wildside, but TNA's first show was in 2002. Yeah, that would have been it because that's the year I graduated. So that's, yeah, that's 18 years. It's insane. It's absolutely nuts. I think I talked to Samoa Joe about that too, because I've known him for roughly the same time period. And there's a handful of guys and you just, the, the world and the business moves so fast that you have to step back and go, wow, I've been around with these guys on this journey for more than half of my life. Yeah. It's, it's really wild to think about. Yeah. We talk about wild side, uh, Ron Killings. Uh, I think he was yeah. crushed back then. Right. You know, that's how long I've known him. That's, Shoot, that may be 99, 2000, around there. And he was like in his early 60s back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was much younger. <laughs> yeah. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. So, yeah, I'm sure we'll we'll delve back into some of the, the memories as the conversation progresses. But uh, I want to just kind of start at the top. I mean, I, this is the first time that I've actually had a chance just one-on-one to sit down and, and talk with you at length. I mean, we see each other, you know, pretty regularly, particularly lately. Right. And there's a lot of questions that I've had and, and that I've never really had a chance to ask. And I'm sure you've answered them. So I'm going to do my best to not make them boring and repetitive because uh, you you are one of the ones that's blessed to do media most weeks uh, when the world is functioning normally. It's your favorite thing. Yes. So I might as well start at the top as far as your WWE tenure is concerned. I remember uh, being at the Royal Rumble in Orlando a couple of years back when, when you made your surprise debut. And up to that point, you had done basically everything there is to do in the business. You've worked for every major company. You've worked in you know, Japan, all through the independence in the United States. And you really kind of solidified yourself as the non-WWE guy, at least at that time. You were kind of the figurehead for, for the, I don't want to say anti-WWE. but uh, I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. I get what you're saying. was the guy. You know what I mean? You were the one that, that made it to the highest level possible without coming to WWE. So then obviously you, you make an immediate impact and in pretty short order, you're working with John Cena and, and top guys. Up until that point, there was kind of a, a stigma attached to non-WWE guys. And you came from the other side of the world and came in. And a lot of people had made the argument in the past prior to you that there was something of like a glass ceiling 
because you weren't a WWE guy. You weren't a WWE creation. And yet you come in with the AJ Styles name, doing exactly what you've done for the majority of your career. And you kind of broke that ceiling and broke that mold. And you've sort of achieved success that maybe a lot of guys had never expected. What was that like for you? Well, man, uh, listen, I think they had a different kind of plan for me when I got to the WWE. But of course, I had other plans. I, I, I didn't want to be an upper. I wanted to be one of the top guys. And, and uh, I wasn't going to change my style to get there as well. It's gotten me this far. Let's see how far it could take me. But uh, you know, I just kept doing what I've been doing. My, like that was the thing. A lot of times the question was, well, did you have to change your style? Not at all. Everywhere I went, I never changed my style. I just, it developed into better psychology as the years went on. I think that's the biggest difference and the intensity that you bring with that psychology. You know, people want to believe I'm going to give them that opportunity to do that uh, because my, my strikes aren't exactly the lightest sometimes. And I know that. But it's, it's that believability. And trust me, if I hit you hard, I want you to hit me hard. That's the way I want it. It takes me to a different level that I just, the intensity just, I love it. Right. Uh, but nothing really changed in my direction where I was going and how I was going to get there. I had guys pull me aside and say, hey, keep doing what you're doing. You're doing everything great. Just keep doing it. Just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep you know working, working hard, doing whatever you got to do, man. Just keep doing it. So I must have been doing something right. And even when I had my first match against, uh, I think it was Curtis Axel, and uh, he had a couple of the guys with him. Vince, he brought me to the back and he goes, I got guys that can do what you do. I, can, I got guys that can do that. I got guys that can do what you just did out there. Because what I need is I need this, I need this pit bull. That's what I need. And I go, oh. I know that guy. And I was trying to. I was trying to be what I thought a baby face is supposed to be in WWE. Sure. And when he told me that, it, now I was like, okay, I can be this guy who just wants to eat freaking people alive. And it got to the point where I, I think it was a make or break when I had this. It was Miz TV uh, on uh, Raw, I believe it was. Could have been SmackDown. Who knows? But uh, a couple of guys came up to me and said, "Listen, you got to put it on him." I'm like what? Like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta really get it, you know, put it on him. And I was like, what? And of course I go out there and I'm just super intense doing what I do. I didn't catch him with any shots or anything. I just, I wasn't going to do that. But what they wanted to see was that intensity and getting after a guy, right? That was uh, that. And and I think that that's what changed everything. But uh, yeah, it was, it was really weird to put it on him. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) What would you credit most as far as developing and adapting uh, throughout your your career to sort of developing into who AJ Styles is today? You know, if you look, and even when I'm talking to you, and I start getting intense, I'm like, I, I can start getting that. It's that physically, you're going, physically, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I think that was growing up with, uh, you know, three brothers who we always fought. And it didn't matter if it was with each other or other kids in our neighborhood. Like we were always fighting. It just was part of it. And so everything I did, I always, I always had that intensity when I played football and I wrestled in high school and college. Like there was always this intensity. And so it was that I was able to bring to, uh, you know, pro wrestling is the intensity, the look, right, that I'm wanting to kill somebody. Uh, so I, I, I had the, I mean, the facials, I think, were always there. You know what I mean? Like you got to yeah. have that intensity on your, on your but face. But if your face, if your face doesn't match your actual actions, it doesn't matter. 
doesn't, right. doesn't mean anything. Right. And I'm a perfectionist. So when it comes to kicks and, and forearms and punches, I would do it all the time. I, I, you know, I worked at a, um, a bottled water company when I was on the Indies. And those water, you know, the, the five-gallon water jugs, I, I would punch them and try to, you know, if they were empty, try to punch them without them falling off or uh, something. You know, like I'd always punch him, always punching, always punching. And then when I got the, like, ring of honor, everybody was throwing forearms. Like, right. So I had to start, I had to figure out how to throw, you know, perfect forearms. Like, but the intensity that you have with those perfect punches and the forearms and the kicks and stuff like that, I wanted to do, uh, I wanted to make it look as real as I possibly could. Uh, and in some cases, it's it's definitely in there that uh, it's it's safe, but it'll rattle you. But uh, it's just like Samoa Joe's kicks, or you know, low key had amazing kicks. Uh, Daniel Bryan has amazing kicks. Shinsuke Nakamura, the kicks that they throw, man, I can't throw them as good as them. But I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go a different way and throw forearms, you know, like right. But I always, um, I just look at them totally different because people go, God, that's Samoa Joe's. Wow, man, he's he's just knocking guys out. I'm like, no, man, he's just really, really good at yeah. throwing his strikes. You know, I yeah. wanted to be that guy. Well, well, that that work ethic and that style that you developed, uh, and I say this as a compliment, is not the biggest guy in the world. I don't find myself thinking twice watching an AJ Styles match when you're in there with somebody like a you know a Randy Orton or somebody who is maybe even deceptively huge. Randy, to this day, I can't ever get over how big he is because I watch him on TV. Then you see him, you go, holy crap, that guy's monstrous. And you, by WWE standards, at least, you know, 10 years ago, are, are undersized compared to what everyone Absolutely. was used to. But, but you, you look at a guy like a Shawn Michaels or a Chris Jericho, you never thought twice. You never batted an eye when they were in there because you just believed in what they did. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you. I, I know what size I am. Trust me, that's why the intensity has been he has to be turned up to eleven. You know, because I am this size. This is what it is. But it's that believability. Like, God dang, you know that guy's. There's there's something about the way he does it that that the intensity that he brings with it. You know, um, it, it changes the game. In this day and age, obviously, social media is a big part of, of what we do, and there's very vocal portions of our audience. For you, coming from the outside of WWE to now becoming, let's say, fast forward a few years to where you're, you're tasting success, you're WWE champion, you're on top of the game. Have you ever received any sort of backlash uh, from a fan perspective uh, as far as like, oh, I can't believe that guy went there? Oh, uh, as far as... Uh, I remember there was this guy, he kind of had like, I don't know if he had a podcast or whatever, but basically just burying me because how dare I go somewhere based on business. And when I talk about business, like money, when I worked at TNA, the reason why that fell apart is because they wanted me to do the same amount of work, but uh, wanted me to take less money. And I didn't feel that was right because I always did everything to the best of my ability as I, I uh, represented my TNA well. And, uh, and now they're going to cut me because you made bad mistakes. That's not how it works. When you work hard, you're supposed to get rewarded for it. And so I, 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 I bet on myself, but the fact that he questioned my loyalty because of money, I'm like, hold on a second. This is all a business. This is how I support my family. Loyalty only can go so far. And trust me, when you're not getting the job done in the ring or wherever they need you, Where's the loyalty there? 
Like this right. is a business and they have to do what's best for their business. And I have to do what's best for mine. I am very loyal when I'm under contract to that company. I am as loyal as they come. I will sacrifice everything to put on the best product because I am loyal to that, that contract and that agreement that we signed together. Um, so that just really bothered me that, you know, he questioned uh, whether or not, I, you know, I could succeed outside of TNA and, you know, where my morals were as far as like, I should stay loyal to a company that helped me get my start. That's, that's just not how it works in this business. I agree. And I think, I think a lot of people, uh, particularly the, the social media crew, they forget, they love to talk about the wrestling business, but the second part of that phrase is what it's all about. It's a business yes. at the end of the day. And, and I mean, you can speak to it as well as anybody. We remain friends with people that don't work with us. And, and it's, it's, it's such as the nature of the business. And even you and I talking, I've known you for 18 years for probably 10 of those years. I'd see you twice a year. And it's like, okay, it's just, it's business. You know what I mean? You're, you're doing your thing. I'm doing mine. Everyone's making the best they can. So it's just strange to me how people lose sight of that. And it's almost like to hell with what you've accomplished or why we loved you to begin with. Cause we don't like where you're going. I've never understood that about sports, right? But someone just wears somebody wears a different Jersey and all of a sudden you hate them. It's like, wait a minute, Andrew McCutcheon was my favorite Pittsburgh Pirate for, for a decade, and he gets traded to Philadelphia, so I'm supposed to hate him now? Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. And, right. and you see that all the time. It's just weird how people's loyalties fall. Well, listen, if you want to put a chip on my shoulder, go ahead and, and basically tell me what I, I, I'm not worth, what I'm asking for. You know, that's, I, I feel like that's what uh, happened to me, is that, you know, everything you did for us, it was great but you're not worth as much as you're thinking you are. Okay. I'm going to go show you. I'm going to show everybody that I am worth. I'm going to bet on myself. And that's what they didn't understand either is that these guys that were kind of ripping me from not being loyal to TNA, they didn't understand that not only was I leaving and going to pursue something else, I was literally betting on myself. That's a risk that not a lot of people are willing to take. And I was willing to take that risk and uh, it paid off. Granted, but you know, man, that, that just really, really bothered me. Uh, the, 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 those same guys were also the ones that said, oh, he'll never, he'll never make it in WWE. But I will say this to their credit, they basically said, well, we were wrong. He had what it takes to be a star in the WWE. So to their credit. G3 Assistance through Virginia's Community Colleges is your pathway to a new future. Helping those who qualify pay for school and train for the right career. Right where you are, right now. Learn more at vccs.edu forward slash G3. So what's it feel like now when, when you're in WWE and you're, you're succeeding and doing your own thing? And now you start seeing all the more familiar faces pop up. You've got Samoa Joe now showing up. Uh, Nakamura from your from your time in Japan, which you guys produced some of the most incredible matches to this day that I've ever seen. Did you, did you ever have a point where you had to give anybody any guidance or sort of show them the way uh, that came in after you? The guys like Ricochet and Cedric Alexander, like I've wrestled those guys on the indies and stuff sure. like that. And and I've kind of, it's, it's not really, it's really trying to show them my support. Like guys, I get it. And trust me, I've been there. And it may not be in WWE that I've been where you're at right now. You know, it's because sometimes you don't know where you're going, what direction they have you going in. You have no idea what's going on. But it is a roller coaster ride, and you just got to ride it and see where it takes you. But if you're positive and you remain, you know, to have a good work ethic, then it will benefit you in the long run. You just got to stay at it. That's just it. So I just try to 
help those guys have a, a, a positive attitude because the attitude changes everything. When you're, once your attitude turns sour, then your performance turns sour as well. And once that goes, well, then why, well, you know, it's just, you just Quick don't want set, that to happen. Man. It is, it is. And, and those guys are amazing talent. And I've, I've said it to some of, you know, uh, one of our women, you know, uh, and it's not just, Hey, don't worry about this. It's, Hey, did you ever think you'd make it here so quickly? Look how well you're doing right now. You know, like sometimes I just want them to take a step back and go, Whoa, Holy crap. You know, there's so many times, uh, I'd go to my mailbox and turn around and look at the house that, that pro wrestling's paid for go, Whoa. That's yeah, cool. you know what yeah. I mean. Like, just take a moment, um, a moment to just say, "Well, look, look what I've achieved," and just be grateful for it. Yeah, that's that's a great, great way to look at it. And it's a hard thing to do, though. Just our business moves so fast, and it's so all encompassing, and it takes every aspect of your life. And sometimes it's tough, but but you're right to step back and look at your at your house, especially coming from the journey that you and so many other guys did, where it was, "Hey, we're we're driving." So hopefully we get enough money to cover gas. Yeah. And maybe, you know, maybe I can buy dinner afterwards and not lose just to kind of make it. And then when it starts paying off, it, it's nice to be able to look back and go, whoa, okay. I love that. I love to be able to hold that over my wife's head because when we were dating, when she was my fiance and even my wife, she just like, gosh, every weekend, every weekend, I'm like, it's going to pay off. It's going to pay off one day. It's going to pay off. You know? Yeah. She does. She's uh, she got her master's degree in early childhood. She doesn't work anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's paid off. You know, we're, we're blessed uh, that I've been able to have the career that I've had. I'm going to fast forward a little bit into your tenure. Um, I mentioned the matches with Nakamura from over in Japan. Uh, you now find yourself preparing to have a match with Shinsuke Nakamura, who is red hot, won the Royal Rumble. You guys are going to revisit this matchup now at WrestleMania. What's going through your mind? Expectations are way too high. That's the only thing I think. You like, felt that going in? Oh, yeah. Because, and I know Nakamura did too, because no matter what we uh, would have done in that match, the expectations were way too high. Here's what a lot of people don't understand. This is this is crowd fans, the WWE Universe, New Japan, all that stuff. Their fans are everything. They're everything. They set the tone on what is a great match, and it's how they respond to it. And in Japan, they're so respectful. And then when they do respond, it's uh, it's huge. And and you're just thinking, wow, this is such an amazing match. But had that same match been done in a WWE ring without the same response. You know, it's not it's not going to be declared not, as that great of a match. Fans right. are everything. They dictate a great match. It's just it's just the reality and the truth of the whole thing that a lot of people don't understand. And the expectations were so high because of what we did at Wrestle Kingdom. I was like, oh, man. And it, I still think it was a great match. The fans really made it. I guess that's probably a common occurrence because the guys in the ring doing the work always get the credit. But you always forget about that third man on the outside. And a crowd can truly make or break a match for sure. I mean, you look at Rock and Hogan. Yes. Right? I yep. bet you if we watched that back, it wasn't that crazy of a match at all. No, fact, not at all. But the reaction that the fans had, it was just a classic because of that. And I'll be the first guy to, to tell you that I learned just as much as anybody in a WWE ring from the responsive crowd. The, the opportunity to be in the ring with John Cena, this guy has one of the best ears for how a reaction needs to be, you know, moved around. It's just amazing. And you need that. And not <laughs> the ring rust is real. That's basically what I'm trying to say. <laughs> 
Well, fortunately, uh, or unfortunately, uh, however you want to look at it, your WrestleMania was very unique, despite not having fans there. But for uh, let's we'll say this is a positive reason. Uh, the reaction to the Boneyard match. Let me back up a little bit and just say, what was going through your mind when you found out that you would be wrestling The Undertaker at WrestleMania? Forget the crowd. Forget the circumstances. Okay. That's rarefied air right there. Let, let me break it down to you. When I when I found out that we're not going to have a crowd, and then it got switched to a boneyard match, I was I was thankful uh, because I, I the match that I want to have the Undertaker, if there's still an opportunity to have another one, is in front of a you know a ridiculous yeah absolutely yeah fans just going nuts. But we were set up to not only did I have the opportunity to wrestle the Undertaker at WrestleMania, but we were set up to do something different, and that different could be good. Could be bad. We're gonna find out. It was fun while we were doing it, but I'm still like, oh man, I hope this, hope this works, you know, because I'm, I'm not sure, you know, how people are gonna feel about these cinematic, you know, uh, matches. The uh, New Day and the Wyatt family had done one, and I loved it. I thought it was cool. Everything about it was cool, but I didn't hear a ton about it after it was done, whether it was liked or hate, hated. Uh, so. Uh, I, I didn't know what to expect from me and Undertaker in, in this phone guard match. And I think it was a I think it was a weird contrast when when the New Day did the one, uh, and also Bray did one with Randy. Yes. Uh, and, and I think the contrast was so striking because you went from a live audience with the crowd to your earlier point that's part of the show to all of a sudden this thing that is just totally separate, you know, at the time. It was on a paper. I don't remember what the pay-per-view was, but it was in the middle of the pay-per-view. They just stopped and cut to this. Yeah. Uh, I forget what, what the House of Horrors match or something like that. Whereas this year, you don't have to contend with a live crowd and the WrestleMania, the typical WrestleMania atmosphere. True. Which to me is probably, it probably lent itself to the, the incredible reaction because, I mean, I've seen almost exclusively positive feedback uh, on the Boneyard match. But to your point about the unexpected, I was doing the kickoff show the day of, the Saturday of, of, that it aired. And we had no information as to what it actually was. So many people uh, on my stream where this is where I do this at on Mixer.com slash Stylesclash. We, we were doing this and they were like, hey, what's a Boneyard match? And I go, listen, I got it. This, it's whatever you think a Boneyard match is, is exactly what it is. That's the way I left it. Because what you think it is, is exactly what it is. That way... Most of the, the the ideas that they had were pretty much true. Was it weird for you being able to sit at home and watch your WrestleMania match as it happened? Yeah, it was or as it, it aired. Was, I should say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was really weird, but but still not knowing if everybody enjoyed it as much as I I did. Awesome. That's very very cool. Obviously, the match ended with the the now uh, somewhat iconic visual of your gloved hand bursting through the the grave and the story's still alive. I mean, that you mentioned the money in the bank match. There was the scene where you opened the, the door and there was a casket. And, and I mean, just on a, on a personal note, as a fan, I kind of hope it's not the end of the, this story, just another chapter, but I want to transition to the money in the bank match. Now you're, you're in what used to be Titan towers, WWE world headquarters. Uh, what was that, that experience like making the money in the bank match? Totally off the wall, different. Uh, I don't know who thought this up, but that was, it was brilliant for, for what we had to, you know, to do, it was brilliant, uh, very entertaining. I, I, I love the the moments of uh, being, you know, aggressive in the fights and everything else, but also it could be entertaining as far as being comedic and, and right, right, right. 
with uh, Daniel Bryan and myself going into Vince's office and and doing that stuff. It, like we, that was funny to me. Uh, some people may have liked, may have not liked it because it's like, oh, come on, man, you guys are serious, you're fighting. But I think we got some leeway here because we told you it's it's kind of cinematic, you know. So forgive us for uh, not being in a ring doing the same serious. Like there, there was a part where there where you could you could kind of. We got to give you guys a little bit of everything, you know. In this and, I mean, it's in our name now, man. It's entertainment. It's not all. Not everything is is serious. As much as we all love it, the the, the old school fans, you love, you know, blood and guts and and rage and watching two guys want to tear each other apart. There's still a lot of people who really gravitate toward the the entertainment aspect of it. Is that something that was was eye opening at all for you coming from outside to to within WWE? Well, I, I knew that the first thing I knew that it's like, hey, listen, when you come to WWE, you got to be able to get on the microphone. You got to be able to to use it well, or at least decent. And uh, that was the first thing that I had to to conquer because, I mean, listen, in TNA, I didn't get that much mic time. I, I admit that my, you know, I, I'm not the best promo guy in the world, you know, but but anything you do enough, you'll get better at it. And uh, so that was that was the biggest thing that I knew that I had to to conquer was was getting in the ring, cutting a, a decent promo. But the entertainment thing, uh, I think that's always been there. Like, I I don't think that's very difficult as long as you give guys the opportunity to be themselves sometimes. Like, there's guys like, you know, Ron Killings is the same way. Like, this guy, his timing, and it's, it's, it's entertainment, man. And we, got, we have to give everyone everything. We can't just be a wrestling show. You're not going to get new fans that way. But if we can implement all these little parts that make a great show or a great movie. That's, that's what we need to do. There's opportunities for everyone. If you've never been to the Maryland Renaissance Festival, you don't know what you're missing. There's so much to see and do. It's like a 16th century theme park with shops and pubs, food and games, live jousting, crafts and music, 10 stages with nonstop entertainment, fun for the whole family. Saturdays, Sundays, and Labor Day Monday through October 24th. For tickets, visit MarylandRenaissanceFestival.com. Save big on admission through September 12th. Near Annapolis, the Maryland Renaissance Festival. Time travel to fun. You now find yourself once again as a member of the SmackDown roster, uh, the house that AJ Styles built. I mean, it's different for me. It's, it's, it's moving to you know Fox now, and I think they're doing a really good job. So I'm excited about that, to be uh, working with those guys. And, and it's just doing something different, man. Uh, it, it's good for me. And I needed a change. And, and I don't mean to harp on this, but like losing Gallows and Anderson really hurt me. And, and so getting away from Raw – Helps me get over it, I guess, because I, I don't know that I'll get over it, but like it helps change the atmosphere around me and to do something different. And because, and, and like, the whole time on Raw basically was with Bill. So getting away from that and, get, you know, getting a SmackDown uh, where uh, I've had a lot of success, it, it's a good thing. Talk to me a little bit more about this from your perspective. Obviously, it's public knowledge, the releases, the current times being what they are, unusual, unfortunate part of the business. It happens. What does it feel like from your perspective to have two guys who not only are your on-screen brothers, they're they're some of your best friends in the world right now. Speak to that a little bit. This it's kind of a it's it's a unique perspective. I mean, it happens all the time in the business. We've all had friends, you know, get released and a lot you, you lose touch with guys, but very rarely does it happen when you're in the midst of something that, you know that's actually tangible and on television. Looking back, like I was the one that's kind of brought up their names to to come to WWE and everything. So when they got released, now I immediately feel responsible 
for them just because I helped them get here and I wanted them to stay. I feel like if I hadn't encouraged them to stay, maybe they would be fine right now. So a lot of that fell on me and, and it, and it destroyed me. Like I, I feel like I, I let them down. Uh, and, and I talked to them about this. I talked about it on my mixture general on the day after it was done. And I was just crushed. And uh, because it's like, I'm the oldest in this group and they're my little brothers and I, I, I and I didn't take care of them. And that really bothered me. It really, really bothers me. It still does. Far be it for me to be the optimist, but this could be one of those situations. You look at a guy like a, like a Jinder Mahal or a Drew McIntyre yeah. who were let go and they, they still had the fire. That never changed. They just went and did the work, changed some things. Timing was better. Now you got two new world champions on your hands. Fingers crossed. Maybe if should that be the path they choose to take, let's, you know, let's hope for the best for them. Would it be safe to say that the chip is back on AJ Styles' shoulder as a result of these things? I guarantee you that uh, I'm wanting to get after it as well as anybody else in that ring. Uh, I love doing what I do. This is what I do, man. I'm obsessed with this thing, you know, and it's, it's not about doing moves anymore. It's about learning. Like I've realized that, that, that moves are easy. They really are. They're not that difficult. I'm not going to do a 630 like Ricochet. I'm not saying that. <laughs> but the moves are they're easy. The, the hardest part is the psychology. I can talk this one. The psychology that goes into everything that we do. Like you need those moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I found out that it's not about the match, it's about the moments. Because yes. people remember moments in the match. They don't remember the match. Uh, for instance, uh, um, Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, Money in the Bank, I don't know, maybe it was 17 uh, at uh, 2017, I think it was. I'm not sure. But there was a moment where Shinsuke and I looked at each other, moved the ladder over, and we stared at each other, and boom, now we went at it. But it's like, oh, here comes Shinsuke and AJ. All yep. the, like there was a moment there, and I'm trying to find moments now. Yes, it's the anticipation, man. That's that's the intangible. Back to your point about Hogan and Rock, them staring at each other. That's what people remember. Yes. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't I can't tell, tell you anything about that. No, not at all. It's that that the opening thirty seconds when those two icons are staring at each other. I just got chills thinking about it because I've seen crazy. it ten thousand times, and I never get tired of it because it, that and that's a moment. And Sean and Ric Flair at WrestleMania. You oh. remember? I'm sorry. I love yes, you. I love you. Boom. Boom. I, Fox just aired the match a couple of weeks ago and I watched it again, probably for the first time since it actually aired. And it was, I didn't remember any of it. The match itself is a lot of fun. I mean, it's a classic Ric Flair, you know, he does all of his, his stuff, but that moment that lives on is that last, you know, I'm sorry. I love you lights out. Uh, so to your point, man, you're not wrong. That's what lives on is the, the moments and the memories. And that was, the, that was the ending to that story. Exactly. You know, that they were telling. And it was such a great ending. Like, Oh, man, that was like you paid it off, you know, like, okay, that was good. AJ Styles back home on Friday Night SmackDown. Is there anybody that catches your eye? Anyone that you haven't stepped in the ring with that you look forward to or or somebody that you look forward to maybe revisiting? I mean, I'm just looking forward to to being there, to being there on the on the blue brand again. It's exciting for me just to be around those people like I actually let me tell you, I'm actually kind of looking forward to a match with as crazy as it sounds. Otis. I don't know why. It's, it's, it's just so fun. entertaining, man. I, oh, I completely God. agree. I had a conversation with Daniel Bryan. And I remember Bryan and Sami Zayn were having like a heated philosophical discussion 
about just the business as they do at, <laughs> at any given time. Uh, and Brian mentioned something about Otis and, and how it's been so long since we've had someone like him who's so unique, yet also a ridiculous athlete that he'll never get the credit for. But I mean, what oh, yeah. that guy is physically capable of is spectacular. So sign me up, man. I look forward to calling that one. I, I don't know what kind of match it's going to be, but I, I think that at least one or two times we'll have you, we'll have you giggling a little bit. You know, I just he's got that. There's there's something about him. I don't know what it is. I think it's just his personality. Because if you hung out with him at any point in time, he's hilarious. He's great. He is, he is a riot. <laughs> so, You're absolutely so, right. Yeah. So and he brings that to the ring. And for yeah. me, you know, that's enough, man. I I look forward to getting in the ring with him. Right on. Well, hopefully it happens. I was going to say sooner than later, but let's maybe just delay it a little bit until we can get an arena full of people to properly react and process what's happening. And you know what? You know what's uh, exciting to me is knowing when we do finally get people in the arena and, and seeing how they're reacting now to different characters. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see like an Otis and see how people react to this character because it's already, it's like that. I don't know, man, uh, like a junkyard dog, you know, like everybody loved it. Yes. You know, like yes. he didn't do anything crazy. He was just, he was just a junkyard dog, man. You know, yeah. I don't know why I like him as a kid. I just did. You yeah. Know? So I'm looking forward to seeing how our fans react to all the characters that have blossomed a little bit during these times. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's definitely going to be interesting. I cannot wait. But uh, in the meantime, keep doing what you're doing. I'm glad to have you back on Friday Night Smackdown because I could see you more regularly. And uh, I appreciate you taking some time out of your day to to hang out. There's so much more we can get into, man, just the stories and things. But, uh, you know. We, we've got more time and hopefully my show will still be here and I'll have you on and we can. Sounds great, man. I'm available. Right on, man. Well, thank you, AJ. I appreciate your time. All right, brother. Take care. Thank you one more time to the phenomenal AJ Styles for hanging out for a little while today. Before I leave you, I will throw a little zen your way as I tend to do. This one comes from Epictetus. When someone is properly grounded in life, they shouldn't have to look outside themselves for approval. More stoicism. That's what I've been spending my long, boring hours at home doing, reading up on that. I suggest you do the same. Thank you for listening. And if you aren't already, follow the show at After the Bell WWE on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Use the hashtag After the Bell. Join the conversation. Send me your thoughts. Good, bad, just not indifferent. And I say this each and every week, but if you're using Apple Podcasts, Please shoot me five stars. It helps spread the word about the greatest sports entertainment podcast on the planet. If you're using an Android, follow ATB on Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, or Google Podcasts and never miss a syllable. Never mind missing an entire episode. That's just insanity. Follow me at WWE Graves on Twitter, on Instagram, and I will be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell. 